Hey everyone, welcome to the Iron Skies podcast. I'm your host, Tony. In this podcast, we talk about STEM, entrepreneurship, with also various guest speakers in those fields. We also discuss ideas that I think are worth sharing. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And without further ado, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Iron Skies podcast. I'm your host, Tony. In today's episode, we have a very special guest. We have Greg Coyne. He helps CEOs achieve rapid uh, growth and generate uh, profits and the things they want. Um, And he also has a bachelor's degree in political science. Uh, Greg, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, I guess the best way to say it is uh, I'm an associate with uh, Jerry Weinberg and Associates Sandler Training in uh, Southfield, Michigan. Uh, I've been here for almost 10 years. Uh, It's been a great experience. I had uh, you know, Jerry is a coach and uh, loved him and the, the team so much that uh, I looked to get on board. So I've been here ever since. And uh, essentially what we do is uh, help business owners, presidents of companies. Uh, typically when they're uh, inviting us in, they're already doing well. Uh, the problem is, is that we figure out underneath the surface that maybe some of their sales team uh, members haven't figured out how to forecast uh, long term or that they have figured out a way to grow a business that the owners that is they haven't figured out how to sustain a succession plan for said business. So they find themselves working more in the business and on it and can't step away from it. So we help them diagnose some of those issues and uh, not only make themselves, but their sales teams uh, take them to their full potential. So tell us, how did you get into Gary Weinberg and Associates? How did it come to start and what kind of motivated you to go into that field? So uh, great question, Tony. Uh, What's What's cool is, so a lot of your listeners probably try and figure out, hey, um, you know, how do I sustain my, my business? How do I get involved in said career? How do I take my next steps? And quite frankly, I, I'll, what's great about finding you, Tony, is that I, I've spoken frankly with you already. And I didn't have a game plan either when I got, got out of school. Actually, I, I uh, bartended and uh, waited tables the first year out of, out of school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I used my uh, connections um, at, from my school to take my first step in a, into a career-bound uh, job. I worked in the technical world for five years, uh, being a systems analyst. And then uh, I decided to step away because I always wanted to get into sales. Um, and my buddy approached me and said, hey, uh, we've got a position open. It's not direct sales or outside sales, but I think it could be a great stepping stone. So I, I got into the advertising, uh, my advertising career with CBS Outdoor, uh, did that for almost 10 years. And as I said a moment ago, uh, 2009, uh, I wanted to take my next step and I couldn't do it alone. So Jerry uh, Weiberg in the Metro Detroit area had always advertised on radio. You know, we have uh, difficult and expensive training is, and we haven't run that ad for years, but people still come up to me on the street and will say, Hey, I know you guys, I know about your, your radio ads. Hey, it works. It's a, it's, it's a talk about branding. So anyways, I uh, approached Jerry, uh, hired him and, uh, about three years in, um, I had grown a bit tired of my, my job. I, uh, I enjoyed it, but it didn't fulfill me. And so being around Jerry and the rest of the team, I'm like, you know what? If this is, he had uh, put a posting on and uh, in true Jerry Weinberg fashion, I approached him by and said, hey, Jerry, so you got a post? He's like, yeah. I said, so, hey, what about me on the team? He's like, hey, what about you, Coin? 
And so the next six months, we went back and forth trying to figure out ways to, to join. And finally, I did. And um, for those that are around my age, there were some Peace Corps ads um, that uh, were on television or radio. And they, they talked about it's the toughest job you'll ever love. And I fully agree that that's what my career has, has taken me. It's, it's tough. Um, it's not always easy. Uh, it's not always easy to uh, communicate with your clients and get the message across. Uh, but that's what we're helping them to do. And there's some difficult conversations that sometimes need to be had on all sides. And so I wouldn't trade this for a world. I love what I do, but it it didn't come naturally, nor did the course to get here. Wow. I can definitely feel your energy. So I'm very curious, just a quick rewind. You were a systems analyst and uh, how did you get into that job? And what kind of made you realize that you wanted to do something else and get okay. into Gary Wine, Gary Weinberg uh, and Associates? Sure. So what had happened was I, you know, look at bartending is, is great. You get to meet a lot of people. You make a lot of cash. Uh, but it's not what I went to school for. Like you said, I was in political science. So I approached a couple of good friends of mine. One said, hey, do you want to get involved in a, a campaign? and manage it. And I thought that was great, uh, but it didn't pay very well. And so those sometimes those stepping stones are, what do you really want at the time? And the thing I really wanted at the time was I love my family. I love my parents, but I didn't know, I no longer wanted to live with my family anymore. And so yeah. that next step was something to be able to spread my wings. And so I lived in a small town uh, in Temperance, Michigan, just uh, over the border uh, from Toledo, Ohio. and I wanted to uh, I wanted to move to Detroit. I wanted to get a, a bigger city feel. I wanted to be with some of my collegiate friends. And so I had another friend who worked for a company called EDS, uh, which was a spinoff of General Motors. Uh, most people know it from uh, Ross Perot back in the day. And it was a technology company. And my friends uh, helped to coordinate a call center. So believe it or not, I started in a call center. Uh, you know, 50 calls a day. We were on the Xerox account. It was hustle and bustle, phone calls, phone calls, not always happy clients. Um, it was an experience, but through learning that and some of the technology that EDS had and also Xerox, I started looking and I was like, you know, this, this could be something that I could do from a customer service standpoint. So I took that knowledge from being on the call center and I put my uh, my resume out there and I found a systems administrator position for a leasing company. And uh, they were looking for someone on their help desk to be able to help and facilitate. So it was what I was already doing. It was an upgrade in pay and a, and a little less stress. And there was some uh, potential for upward movement. So I took that opportunity and, uh, and jumped ship. Uh, so how I got there were twofold was friends and, and relationships that I made through college and then using those to figure out, all right, what can I do with my career? And I tell everybody now, if you're not on LinkedIn and you're not using it on a regular basis, hmm. you're doing yourself and everyone else a disservice. And I, and I mean, that's how we met Tony. And yeah. so you've got to be willing to put yourself out there. And one of my friends started talking about, um, a term that I've heard for a number of years that I believe Daniel Pink coined, and no pun intended, and it is, uh, it's called an ambervert. So most people know about being an extrovert, lots of energy. Some of those people who are introverts probably are like, slow down, settle down to those extroverts. 
Extroverts being people that are a little more outgoing, like to be around people, gain energy from it. Introverts more internal, think inside, like the peace and quiet, you know, like to be able to, not always, but like to be around stability, I like to say. (laughs) Well, then sometimes there's that middle ground. And Daniel Pink coined ambervert, which is a bit of both. And I'm an only child. I need to be away from people sometimes to recharge. At the same time, most people know me as an extrovert. So when I'm around groups of people, they're like, oh, Greg, you know a lot of people. They have fun with me. Um, I like to be the, the life of the party. Not always, but sometimes. But there's a limit. And sometimes I need to go and recharge those batteries. So I guess where I'm ultimately going, circling back, because I needed a combo of both of those in my career. And that allowed for that, at least that next step. I love the balance. That's incredible. That's a really good term, ambervert. For first time I hear I heard that one, but that that's awesome. So Gary Weinberg and Associates, it, you it's you're the principal. Is um are you like at the top of, of the pyramid in that company? No. no. Um I have been blessed with uh with being a part of a great team. Uh Jerry used to be uh the owner uh of the company. Now his uh his uh, daughter Alana Nickel runs the organization. Um, we have a lot of you know second gen in Sandler that run our uh, our offices across the the country and the world. And she's another. And her step into that leadership role was incredible um, because you know there's lots of uh, and and there's nothing against Jerry. Jerry had, Jerry Weinberg has done a great job growing an organization for 30 years, and in so doing allowed us to grow. The thing is, is that Alana's come in and made us more of a co- uh, cohesive team. Uh, and we think of ourselves as a team and we run as a team. And most large businesses, actually businesses of any size, even though you might be the face and you come in and help a company, they want to know if something happens to you that there's others to be able to pick up the slack. Okay. And that is really what's allowed us to flourish. I have a lot of, of moving parts that I do and use within our organization. Um, but that that title is a great title. That's all it is. Uh, and so I think one thing that people have to recognize um, as they grow their business, titles are nice. But yeah. having leadership ability, skills, and have those translatable or transitional uh, skills are the most important. Titles come and go. But what you really need to do is what's the impact that you're leaving with yourself and others? That's really the key to think about. And it could be anything. I think at the end of the day, we get so caught up in in understanding what our purpose is or, or wanting to make an impact. And I think sometimes we fail to recognize the smaller impacts that we make on people, on companies and other others' lives, even our own. So purpose is, is individualized. And I think we have to grab grab onto that. We get stuck in our own heads thinking that we've got to make this worldly impact. And I think we do, but just in smaller ways. And there's an old adage that you've probably heard, probably many of your of your listeners and viewers have heard, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Okay. Yeah. We've all probably grown old of that. The fact is, though, is that we lose sight of that so many times. We want to stuff the entire elephant in our in our mouths and be like, we did it. Life doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes we have to remember 
to be just as, how do I want to say it, um, patient with ourselves as we are with others. There's a phrase real quick that I, uh, I, have, I tell our clients, especially when we're doing comfort zones or any kind of training around those items. And that is, would you be friends with a voice in your head? We, a lot of times, are our own toughest critic. And we yeah. have to start recognizing that, yes, we can have a purpose, but what's the actual impact on others and ourselves? That's incredible. That's really real. So for, for Gary Weinberg and associates, how, like, what does the process say, like start to finish? So you, you, you have a new client um, and like, what's the first step in the, Great. In the whole Tony, process? Tony, fantastic question. Um, because here's the thing. Most people, when they, they hear or see Jerry Weinberg and associates Sandler training, they look at that last word training. And so instantly people are like, oh, you guys are a training group. Well, look at for 30 years and 50 for Sandler, that's what we've been known for. People see skills, how to communicate better. You know, how do their teams get in front of more opportunities? Sometimes that's not the case. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, they've gotten in front of them, but they want to close more. Um, here's the, a bit of the issue or the, or the uh, worst kept secret. You can train all the people, all the companies in the world with all the skills that they need. But if you don't have the right staff in place or the ones that are going to take you to where you want to go, if you don't have the right structures and processes in place to be able to grow and help your current people, you know, stay the course or a strategy to go to market and increase market value, you're going to be done. So what we have to do is we have to pull people back and companies back and leaders back and say, all right, we appreciate that's what you want to do. But if we allow you to do that, this will be an epic fail on both sides. So our process is a little different. What we do is we, we sit down with the leaders of the organization and we figure out what are part of the problems that they see right now. And we figure out whether or not we engage. And that first engagement is a discovery. We figure out, hey, what's currently going on? What are those pains that are happening? Are they instituted from your team? Are they instituted from you? Are there a combination of both? Where are the gaps? All right. We also do assessments on the team to find out a little bit more about, you know, who they are, what their behavioral styles are. We use extended disc. They've been a great partner for years. We also use another company called Outmatch, which takes a deeper dive into what some of those skills are that they have, what those gaps are. And what are those mental things that are holding people back? There's a huge acronym that we use quite a bit called NFA. It stands for need for approval. We all have it. It's just yeah. how do we control it? And in sales, it's the number one crippling thing for any salesperson or sales manager that can really kill a business because the, 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 mean, the means to be liked or wanted to be like gets in the way of asking sometimes some difficult and sensitive questions, whether that's from a leadership position or from a sales position. And so we've got to get under the hood, so to speak, using an automotive term to see what's really going on. And then we have to figure out, all right, do we want to engage both sides? Because I think everyone thinks that we want to, you know, we want to get involved with every company that comes to us. Not really, because some people aren't willing and able to take that next step. But if they are, we figure out, all right, let's, we're, we're going to work with the leadership team. 
because if there's no buy-in at the top, it will not transition or translate through the rest of the organization. And then from there, we figure out how do we, what skills, what, what uh, abilities, uh, what gaps are there that we need to do or need to improve. And we figure out if there's any training um, or consulting that goes from there. And typically our average client is with us a minimum of three years. Um, most, most leaders freak out when they hear that number, but I always tease our clients. I'm like, Tony, you and I, you know, I'm in this, you know, I just got done with the workout. It's, you know, you don't go to the gym and the first time you say, Hey man, I am going to put up 300 pounds. It's going to be amazing. And I did it. No one does that unless they were a bodybuilder like a week ago and then got into the, the weight room. If you're starting from ground zero, we have to work to get there. And we talked about it beforehand. I think a lot of times human nature is we want to know the how and just jump right in and do it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Habits have to be created, both good and bad. You know, we don't, we didn't just, uh, uh, I, I was a runner for a very long time. I didn't lose my, uh, my ability to breathe and run long distance overnight. It happened over a series of time. So in order to get back to where I want to go, I have to instill that work ethic and work to get there. It takes time and it takes the right habits to get there. That's real. Yeah. I've heard the term too. This is one thing that uh, a lot of people always mention, but like everyone's always looking for the quick answer, like, Oh, how to be successful. And I'm like, you know, being successful is like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a habit. And then also it's a path that takes time and work not just a quick, you know, one, one answer, um, thing, but that, that's incredible. So for example, you have, okay, you know, a company reaches out to you and like, w- what are some of the like biggest challenges that you deal with when, um, you know, with a client and let's say, you know, new client client that's been there for, uh, you know, a couple of years, what are some of the biggest, uh, challenges that you have faced? So I'll deal with um, an existing client first, and then we'll go to um, a brand new client. So existing clients is a little bit easier because from this standpoint, we've instilled some uh, some foundation in what we're doing. Um, we've established certain goals, certain metrics that we hadn't had in place before. Businesses are evolving all the time. And so sometimes we have to look at what's the current staff, all right? You've grown this. Do you have the right people in the right seats of the bus, as Jim Collins likes to say? All right. Where are they at? All right. What are the skills that they need now that they're in a new position? Who do you need to bring in in order to fill some of those gaps? Because sometimes you have to hire outside of the organization. Mm. You, as a leader, may have been an individual who has grown a business over time. Now, as you're bringing on teams, you weren't brought in to you know, coach and manage and lead. That's not why you started this business, most likely. Solepreneurs deal with this all the time. So it's a matter of as you grow, as an existing client grows, there's more needs that come from it. There's more adaptation. There's more gaps. So we have to, it's constantly being on the level with a client to figure out, hey, what are those gaps that we're looking at? And be ahead of the game to figure out, okay, as you grow, as this revenue grows, people are going to have to be hired. And what are those boxes that you're going to have to fill both now and into the future? So that's one. The other side of it is when you have a brand new client, you, you spoke of it a minute ago. Typically, the biggest one is, hey, we're going to dive right in. It's all going to change overnight. It's going to be great. Or 
the person realizes how many systems and processes and people that they need and they become overwhelmed. And it just goes back to taking a step back and saying, what are we looking to accomplish here? The key is never losing sight of the goal. And you almost become a project manager in a sense. You look at the end goal. What do you want to achieve? And what are those gaps? What are those stages that you need to achieve along the way to get there? It's almost like you reverse and you become a reverse engineer. You take the, you start with the end in mind, Stephen Covey, start there and work your way back. And all right, all of these things have to be completed before you get there. And then you start to see the nuances, the little tiny things. Some people, you know, they get caught in the weeds. Some people like myself have, have a, you know, 30,000 foot vision. And that can be just as dangerous because you do need those, that combination of details and a vision to understand where you want to go. So I think the biggest hurdle that we've got is understanding that it's not going to happen overnight. I would say this too, the biggest hurdle that we have as an organization to bring in new clients is the status quo. Most companies and individuals that we meet are doing okay when we meet them. And the last thing they, they see, the biggest thing that goes up when I see someone is this fear. Oh, oh boy. I see Sandler. I see Jerry Weinberg. Oh, there's Greg. I'm going to get sold. I don't, I don't want anybody that doesn't want my help. That's the yeah. thing. I think people get the sense that I'm, I'm going to try and sell them. No, I don't. If you're not willing and able to be able to do something about your problems, not mine. And here's the other thing that I'll leave, uh, I'll, I'll say to you for the rest of your, your crowd, there's something called empathy. You need to have it, yeah. but here's the but, but there is a good empathy and a bad empathy. Good empathy is understanding where someone's at and meeting them there. Okay. And understanding what someone's going through. Bad empathy is taking on that problem as your own. You can't do that. Both personally and professionally, you're going to damage yourself and others. It is you are there to help. You're there to guide, but you are not there to take on that problem. And that's a difficult thing for professionals and people that are personal, both friends, family, and others. It's a difficult saga, and it continues today. Wow. So question, who would be the your ideal customer for for Gary Weinberg and associates, would it be like, um, like, let's say a, a small company, like what are the sizes and types of client, but talk like, who's your ideal customer? Sure. Tony, I appreciate that. And I think the biggest scariest thing when people hear this is that they're like, what, um, our ideal client is somewhere between, you know, 10 and a hundred million dollars in revenue on a yearly basis. Most people are like, Whoa, that's believe it or not. I believe the U S government, uh, they categorize a small business in anything under 250 million. So, wow. but here's the thing in my stable of clients, I've got solopreneurs all the way up to multi-billion dollar companies. So when we have, you have to have a, a focus or a target or else you won't know where to throw the dart or, or where to hit the ball. So that is our ideal place uh, for a lot of, most of them, we start in either the, the C-suite or uh, the HR suite, because those are people that uh, are looking to lead, are looking to make decisions. They're also, those organizations or those parts of the organizations know where the problems start. And so 
we usually enter in there figuring, um, usually it's through uh, uh, shops like an automotive company or insurance company, um, financial institution, uh, banks. Uh, we've done a lot of business with banks, but manufacturing automotive, if you can't get away from it here in, the, in uh, yeah. Detroit, but uh, insurance for sure, uh, as well as uh, marketing and advertising companies. Those are kind of like our, uh, our, our bread and butter. Um, and uh, also those in the trades, because a lot of people, contractors, uh, whether it's from painting or carpentry or what have you, they got in the business and were great at what they did. Uh, the problem is they didn't get in to sell and to grow a business and get themselves out of it. And sadly, I still see a lot of people today that are in their 50s still doing the work. The key is to be able to grow a business, understand the business, and be able to pull others into your organization so that you can work less in the business and more on the business and get away uh, from some of that physical day-to-day grind. Wow. That's incredible. So you mentioned HR sweep and C sweep. What are the things involved with uh, the HR sweep and kind of talk, talk a little bit about those terms? Sure. So a lot of times HR understands the problems of an organization. So human resources is the acronym. Um, it's a great um, place to be. Uh, unfortunately, at least in my opinion, HR gets all of the problems and none of the they, they don't get the recognition they should. A lot of times if an organization is going to start a, um, uh, I don't want to say a recovery, but looking to grow, uh, you know, uh, minimize the gaps, any kind of training, HR starts there and they give you an introduction to the, the C-suite. When I say the C-suite, talking about chief executive officers, chief financial officers, those that are not only leading, but a lot of the decision makers. And a lot of times HR is forgotten because they do have a huge impact, uh, whether it's from pulling in assessments to help people get hired, whether it's onboarding, a lot of those little nuances get forgotten. And um, it's one of the entry points within a larger organization. So um, they're great people, they're hardworking, uh, they get a lot of slough because of all the difficulty and things that they have to deal with on a daily basis. It's, uh, it's not always uh, um, a well-recognized position, but I know a lot of people in that in that uh, industry and they do incredibly well. Um, so there's my shout out to HR professionals, keep it up. Uh, but it's it's that is one way that we enter into an organization and then they lead us into the C-suite and we start to figure out where the real gaps and real problems are uh, because leaders never like to admit that they're, uh, they're wrong. It's tough. Yeah, so for the C-suite, what are some challenges that you face when you deal with, you know, people in, in, in those, you know, chief operating um, positions, the CEOs, the, what are some of the challenges? Like, how, is there a difference in like how you, you know, obviously, you know, deal with them and then deal with HR and then the rest of the company? How, how does that, how does that go? Sure. So a lot of times you're dealing with organizations that, especially in the C-suite that are looking to make revenue decisions. They're all about return on investment. What's the cost of the company and what's the uh, what's the growth that we can get from doing X, right? So right now, the automotive industry, the manufacturing industry is actually, especially some of the tier ones, as we call them, the, the suppliers are actually doing really well. Uh, here's the question though, that the C-suite needs to be asking themselves. And that's, it's a simple one. Is this a sustainable growth or is it just situational? 
a lot of times they're not looking at that uh, that entire piece of the pie. I always laugh because being from from Metro Detroit and having the big three, you know, Ford, um, and Chrysler, GM, no longer Chrysler, you know, XFSA right now, I think is what we're at. But um, they need suppliers. And it is a great opportunity for a small business to get a big supplier. The problem yeah. becomes it's uh, it's almost like this little addiction. Oh, hey, we'll take we'll give you a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Next thing, when you're looking at the balance sheet, they're over 50 percent of your business. And then they're coming back to you. We need a price cut. We need a price cut. And all of a sudden you might have huge revenues, but your profit margins start to shrink. And I think a lot of times when you're looking at, you know, profit versus loss, that gets missed. It's one thing to have a great revenue. It's another to actually have profit for the business. And that gets missed. And when you have, there's lots of times where people take on bad business. So ultimately, it's being able to ask tough questions to C-suite. Where do you want to be in the next five, 10 years? What are your, what's your strategy for growth? Right. What's the structure you have in place for your teams to be able to coach and grow the people you currently have? Right. What's that look like? And I think personally, the best answers to questions that I ever get is a real simple three word answer. And that is, I don't know. I think when you're we're being real honest with ourselves and we don't know those answers, it's it's a healthy thing. We need to seek out those answers. But people don't always like to admit that. So we, I, the same challenges that I'm supplying for you, Tony, in the C-suite are the same plot, um, the same challenges that any of us personally can really start to ask ourselves, you know, how are we looking to grow? What are the challenges we currently have? Personal and professional have to be in lockstep because typically it's been my experience where things are happening on the professional side. They're also happening on the personal side whether that's good or maybe not so good. Yeah, that's incredible. It's very insightful. So when you, is there a difference for like what, okay, Gary Weinberg and associates, when you deal with a client that's say a $10 million, you know, they make $10 million in revenue a year versus say a company that makes like a billion is, is like, what are the differences there? If there are differences. So most time it's just in, in uh, uh, employees um, I, I, and revenue, sometimes profits. Um, and I'm sure the billion dollar companies will laugh at me for, for saying that way. But there's, you know, a lot of the same challenges happen in all the businesses. You know, leadership issues, communication issues, having the wrong people in the wrong places, um, having a, you know, a... a, a I call them, you know, forgive me, a cancerous person within the organization who is, you know, difficult to deal with and causing problems and almost self-sabotaging themselves and the business. I mean, all of us have those businesses along the way, lack of process, you know, um, taking on bad business. All of these, all of these problems and gaps translate between, um, between the revenues and the sizes of companies. It's just a matter of how you can deal with it and how quickly you can adapt. Smaller company is going to have, you know, the agility to be able to move because and do things quicker and implement things quicker because there isn't as much 
you know, for lack of a better term, bureaucracy. You have a bigger organization, it's going to take longer, it's going to be slower. It's like, uh, you know, turning a, a ship, you know, the, the old adage of, of uh, turning the Titanic, you know, away from the, uh, the iceberg. It takes time. And so those are some of the things that are different. But if you're looking for a very broad difference, there's not a lot. We're all dealing with the same issues. It's a wonderful and, and uh, delightful thing to be a human being. However, we all come up with the same, uh, the, the same issues and the same nuances that we want to do one thing and we want to shortcut another. And it, it happens. It's all a matter of what you do with your time. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, we all have 168 hours in a week. What are we doing with it? That's real. 168 hours. So, uh, another question for you, um, like, uh, what would you say is the difference between, um, a CEO and then like an employee in, in your mind? There's a lot of things. I think when you're talking about a, a large company, usually they've, they've cut their teeth. All right. And what I mean by that, they've cut their teeth on leadership positions to get there. They've, they've typically gone back and, uh, gotten, a. a, a secondary degree. Now that's not always the case. You don't always have to do that. But I, in the corporate world, a lot of times um, uh, CEOs will go back and get their MBA um, and they'll look at positions that will allow them to take them up the corporate ladder. They'll also look to leave companies uh, to go to new ones because they'll their uh, trajectory will stall or they have somebody else in line for that leadership position. Um, it's all about two, making the, um, the right connections and being able to, to talk within an organization, understand simple things like a PL statement. For those that don't know, you know, it's profit, uh, profit and loss statement. And we need to know what we're what's coming in and what's going out. And when that's a negative, that's a problem. And so there's those little nuances. Whereas you might have a, an employee who starts, enters the uh, enters the business world, whether they have a uh, you know a, a secondary degree or not. Um, and they, you know, they're ready to do the work. I always look at, at figuring out, do you want to do the work and, or you just want to be there to do the work because, you know, everyone talks about the fact of, well, you need to be a leader. Well, here's the thing. If you look at any, you know, athletic team, um, there's all sorts of players on those teams. There's role players, there's managers, there's, you know, with the world series being on right now, you know, you've got people that, that play really good defense and you've got people who hit home runs and, and set the stage and steal bases. They all have their roles. So you have to sometimes look at not everyone can be an A player, right? You have to have people that can fill out that, that bench in order to get your team. And I use that word specifically to take, to take it to the next level. So typically those C level people are going to have more of a vision of what they want for the business. They typically will lead with strategy. The employees, they're looking to execute that strategy. That's the overly simplified answer for that time. That's real. Wow. So um, very curious. Tell us about your role within uh, the business. Uh, like, what do you do? What some of your, your responsibilities and also, um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you personally face um, within Gary Weinberg and Associates? Um, and also just tell us, you know, what's what's your typical day day like start to finish? Sure. So I think it's, uh, 
you know, it, it's, uh, how do I say, it's not sexy. I mean, but I enjoy what I do. And so there's a lot of different nuances uh, for what I do. I uh, will train our clients both virtually and, and uh, in person. Uh, we have private and public clients. So we have those private clients, those companies that will uh, will train individually. We also have um, public sessions, both for clients and individuals that come in on a regular basis. So we, we teach certain methodology as a group. Um, we, we, we all prospect. So I think the one thing that I love about our business is, you know, people talk about the fact that, well, you teach a lot of, of theory. No, we've got to use it because we also have to sell and we have to lead our people and we have to lead an organization. So it's one thing to be able to understand and know what the foundation of Sandler is. It's another thing to execute on it. We have a, a, a phrase that uh, we stole from a, another uh, 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 franchise and they, um, they talk about no hypocrisy from the podium. So if you're going to talk about it up front with your, your clients, you better execute on it. So we do. Um, I think, you know, there's also cutting videos and being on LinkedIn on a consistent basis. Um, there's a lot of time management that has to be done. And quite frankly, I'm not always good at it. Uh, I've got to be able to prospect. I've got to be able to be online. I've got to be able to spend time with my family. I've got to be able to, yeah. to step away. And uh, those things are where am I putting my, my priorities? The biggest thing I've done over the last I don't know, 12 months is you know, really track that behavior. We've, we've always tracked it, but I feel like I've, I've uh, gone, I don't want to say in the weeds, but I've, I've gotten really good at being able to track what I do and don't do. And where are, where am I at based on those um based on those behaviors. And so, um, you know, I work my, um, uh, my calendar as a, almost a to-do list. So if it's not on my calendar, it probably won't be getting done. Um, so it's gotta be there. Now we, we got it. I need to have that on there. Um, and so we've got to be able to map ourselves out and, and, uh, take it from point A to point B. So that's, that's kind of my, my challenge. I think if I had one major one, it's time management and it's, it's a constant battle, uh, to understand what's important and what's not. And when things, you know, come into play that are unexpected, how do you handle it? Um, it's still an ongoing process. I like to think that I've, I've handled it way better now than I did 12 months ago. Uh, but it's still ever evolving. So I hope that helps to answer the question a little bit better. Yeah, no, that you you did a wonderful job. That's that's incredible. So, uh, question for you: Can you tell us about uh, like a story or a time when you know you encountered a failure, or just like has there been times where you have failed, no matter what it may be, within the business or within some other job? Just any time of uh, a story of a failure. Wow, there's and how, the, and how you overcame it. Okay, so there's a lot of them. I don't. I hope you're. Uh, Hope your audience isn't offended by that. I'm like, I got tons of failures. Are you kidding? Um, I'm trying to think of just one. Um, let me think. Uh, I think here's a good one. So I, uh, years and years ago, when I, I was in college, one of my friends said, hey, you should be involved in this, um, uh, this environmental organization, go in and get contributions, go door to door and bring them in. And I was 19 years old. It was a summer job. And 
I epically failed at it. Um, and I, I got fired. And that kind of stuck with me in terms of could I ever really be in sales? And even though it was, you know, I was 19 years old and I got into sales, what, around 28, 29 years old. So fast forward 10 years, that always really in the back of my mind stuck with me. And the only way that I was able to really overcome it was, you know, and I'm sure Sandler will will thank me for this shameless plug, but it was, I, I was able to define Sandler uh, and Jerry Weinberg and be able to say, hey, you know what? There's a better way to sell. There's there's more of a conversation that happens. There's more of a consultative method that happens. And there's more to understanding that it's not about you, it's about them. Yeah. So I, I think so many of us, you know, get wrapped up in our own stuff that we forget that whether it's us personally or us in, in sales and leadership, we take this and apply it to others. We project. And so I think the biggest failure for me was failing at my first sales job uh, and letting it linger. Uh, but the solution to me was Sandler and being able to apply things differently. I, I, I apply this in every, you know, every way of every day of my life. And um, it's, the best, it's the best thing that I could have found. It's, it's a, it's a, a way of life almost. Um, and, uh, it's allowed me to communicate better, uh, with you, with my wife, with my, my family, with, with others, both personally and professionally. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer. So I think it took some time to get there because I didn't find Sandler until I was in my thirties, but, um, at the same time, uh, it helped me to overcome quite a bit. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Th thanks for sharing that. So um, another question, um, like uh, in the business, um, right. You, you talk about, you know, like helping, um, you know, you help other businesses achieve their goals and, and growth. Are there any like internal challenges at the company? And um, how would you say, you know, you would deal with those challenges? Like, do you have you guys consult yourselves or, um, you know what I mean? Like, obviously you have to, you know, you talk the talk, walk the walk, but what are some, do you guys have gaps and some of the things you see in other companies within, within like your company? Of course. And I think it's unfair to, you know, to, uh, we're, we're human. So we're going to judge it's natural for us. Um, we have problems like every other business. I think the, the biggest things that, that we've found is initially is, is process. You know, we've been able to, you know, take a look at what our processes are and how do we make them better? The other is just not having enough people uh, on the seats or, or the bus. You know, sometimes you have um, seats of the bus that need to get filled. And so for us, being able to slowly uh, find those right people to put in the right places, we found a fantastic, you know, um, Matt, Jerry, Alana, myself, we've all been there for a minimum of, we've been a, around Sandler or involved with Sandler for 12 years minimum. Um, you know, Lana's been with us for 17, Matt for, gosh, he was a client and then joined the team. So it's been 20 years, uh, Jerry for almost 30. So there's a lot of experience with that, but we, we also need new blood. And so we've brought in uh, Don Ostrega, who's been a fantastic office manager over the last three plus years. We just brought in a brand new client success manager because 
you know, there's, there's a handful of us, but we want to be able to have those touch points with our clients. So we don't always do that enough. And so we need to have someone else to be able to come in, not only do it, but hold us accountable. And I think that's the key. When you hold yourself accountable or are willing to hold yourself and your team accountable, things start to change. And I think they start to change for the better. We get real caught up in this accountability word and, and how it's applied. And I think it's important that we look in internally first rather than look outward. And so we've done that. And it's been a it's been a long time coming. This is not like this overnight su- success. There's been a lot of changes in that over the last what three to five years, and so it's been this progression. Um, and there's still a ways to go. We still have revenue and profit goals that we want to hit. There's still more people we want to bring in, but I think it's it's uh, it's common, and uh, and yeah. we deal with it just like any other business. Wow. Yeah, I was really curious. That, that's incredible. So question, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? Say 18 year old Greg, or, yeah. you know, teenager Greg or however young, but if you could, if you could get that opportunity, um, what would you say? Well, that's, there's a few things. It'd be like, uh, you don't have to go party all the time. It's study <laughs> for classes. Uh but I would, uh, I'd say simply put, um, you know, look at a business career, uh, look at a business degree, um, look at um, getting involved with uh, uh, Jerry Weinberg and Sandler training way sooner than in your 30s. Um, but be patient with yourself. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in the day. You know, you got to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Uh, but be patient with yourself. And uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, when we talk to clients, the one phrase I ask uh, all of them is, you know, would you be friends with the voice in your head? And we've really got to be patient with ourselves and, and kind to ourselves. Doesn't mean we let ourselves off the hook, but some of the things we say to ourselves are brutal. We never say it to somebody else. So it's important to be patient. Um, for me to look at, at a different degree, I went to a great liberal arts college, Albion College, love it. Um, it got me to think differently, strategically. Um, it also, I, I should have taken that leap when I could into, you know, economics, finance, some of those things that would, um, you know, you know, taking a business farther. I know it now, but it's, it's, you know, 20, 30 years later. So um, yeah, those are some of the things I'd say to myself. Wow. Th- thanks for sharing that. That's real. Sure. Um, also, if, if you could have read a book when you were younger or any books now that have really greatly impacted your life, um, is there anything you'd recommend or you, you wish you had read or have read? There's a couple, but the one that always jumps in and, and I hope Tim Ferriss likes my shameless plug here for him. Uh, big fan read four hour work week, probably about gosh, 10 years ago. Um, you know, love it. It's, it's the fact that you grow a business to get out of the business and what are the ways strategically that you can do that? Um, I, you know, he's, he's updated it. It's still relevant today. Um, it's, it's a fantastic book. Um, and for those, he also has a podcast. I can't do three hour podcasts. So, um, I don't, I don't listen to him all the time, but He's a fascinating guy, lives a fascinating life. 
And uh, if you're looking to grow a business and then get out, that that is the first place I'd look. The other is uh, the E-Myth Revisited, which is uh, um, it's all about starting a business. And I think uh, a lot of people start to become an entrepreneur for the wrong reasons. I, I ran into someone who was uh, it was almost verbatim the book. You know, you you bake things, you love to bake. Hey, maybe I can make a business out of this. And all of a sudden, you're having to worry about revenues and profits and places to to have a, a kitchen and then buy um, buy ovens and then bring people on. And all of a sudden, you're you're not doing what you love. And I think it's important that when you start a business, you recognize why you're getting into wow. it. Okay. And so those two books, they still resonate with me today. And I would recommend them. If, if no one's ever read those, read those two. They're phenomenal books, easy reads, quick reads, and, um, and still insightful uh, for anybody getting into the business or entrepreneurial world today. Wow. Well, well, so four hour, we've got four hour work week. And then the, the second one was, it's the E-Myth. If you look up the E-Myth, you'll find it. Um, remember the author, unfortunately, but that is one I always recommend because it's, it's just a, some, such a simple book, but we, you'll see the, the errors in the, in the way of, of how the entrepreneur thinks, not all, but in this book where you could go terribly wrong. And, and yeah. why it's important to think these through and have processes and really understand why you're going into business. Wow. For anyone who's listening, uh, I'm going to definitely leave a link to those books uh, in the description. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Greg. And uh, are there any other like last remarks or any other anything else you you'd like the younger generations to to hear just from your experience any other last remarks that you have yeah well i appreciate that tony the one thing is that um you know it's, it's something i told you before we we started and that is you know um understand that people my generation typically not mine but a little bit older uh they're going to tell you all the things you did wrong or what you could do better or you know fill in the blank i i had it when i was younger and i think every generation ahead wants to blame the ones before I heard that in a song uh, for those yeah. older people. Uh, and so it's, it's understanding that you're on the right path, but you have to understand what path you're on. So if you feel you're on the right path, understand where you're going. I think that's key. The other part is uh, what I think I mentioned earlier about your purpose. Purpose can be whatever it is. It could be huge. It could be small. You're making an impact on, on yourself and other people's lives on a daily basis. You just may not be aware of it. So understand what your purpose is. It's not that you have to change the world and change it all tomorrow. Understand that a purpose can be a very small impact on a number of people. You may be having it. You don't know it. So keep that in mind. Keep plugging away and understand. Be patient with yourself. It'll come someday. You just got to figure out, all right, where are you going? So those would be my, my final words for your audience. Hopefully that helps. And I'm hoping that I was able to um, give some insight. They want, if these people want to, uh, your any of your audience want to contact me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just type in Greg Coyne, uh, C-O-Y-N-E, you'll find me. Uh, also, my contact information is published there, uh, whether it's email, phone number, uh, but reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's usually the first place to, um, to find me and uh, we'll take the conversation offline from there. 
Yeah, I, I didn't. That, that's awesome. And uh, for, for everyone who's listening, um, I will leave a link to uh, uh, Greg's website, his LinkedIn, and all that info. Greg, I did notice your LinkedIn has your phone number on it. And I, I, I saw your profile and I'm like, yeah, Greg is definitely like a hustler. He's a grinder, a go-getter. Um, that was the vibe that I got. And I'm like, phone number right in the uh, in the in like the headline. I'm like, yep. wow, yeah, Greg is uh, he's he's about business, and that, that's that's awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and that's what I want to attract the people that are looking to grow their business. So if they're not, that's okay. I'm not a, I'm not the right fit for everyone, and I, I make sure that people know that up front. I'm telling your audience that today. But if they are willing to take those next steps and are willing to be a little bit vulnerable, you'd be surprised at where you can go. So, yeah. Yeah. Humans, we definitely, um, you know, for anyone who's listening, uh, you know, we definitely underestimate our, our potential and, and we do have a lot of skills and talents and, and potential that we definitely um, don't utilize enough. So Greg, I really appreciate everything you said. Um, it's, it's been great to have you on. Um, it's been a great experience and uh, yeah, th- thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate this. This was a great experience for me too. And I hope your audience uh, takes a, a lot away today. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for being part of the Iron Skies community. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. If you want to support this podcast, you can support it on patreon.com or by purchasing a copy of my cryptocurrency investing book. I'll leave a link in the description. I work really hard to keep this podcast ad free and I don't want to put ads in here. I really don't like ads and I surely don't want to hear them in a podcast. Again, stay happy, healthy, safe, and wise. Keep hustling. Never stop believing in your vision. Never stop believing in your dreams. You got this. And we'll see you next time.